This is the MTA Podcast, episode 420. This podcast is brought to you by Sidekick. I use the muscle scraping tools from Sidekick to work on my hamstrings and my feet. They are must-haves in my injury prevention toolbox, and I recommend the My Personal PT Bundle. Go to SidekickTool.com forward slash MTA to save 15%. That's SidekickTool.com forward slash MTA. Thanks to UCAN for sponsoring this episode. Hey, as a listener, you can get six Edge gels for free, so you can try them out. All you got to do is pay for shipping. We fuel with UCAN during long runs and races and just everyday energy. UCAN.co slash MTA to try six Edge gels free. Just pay shipping. Thanks to Ola Dance Open Earbuds. They have 360-degree superior sound, but never enter the ear so there's no ear fatigue. Plus, you never lose track of what's happening around you. Visit oladance.com and use the promo code MTA20 to save 20%. Welcome to the Marathon Training Academy podcast, where we inspire and empower you to run a marathon and change your life. I'm Trevor. And I'm Angie. In this episode, we speak with Martinez Evans, author of the book Slow AF Run Club. Martinez explains how he got into running while weighing over 300 pounds and overcame the challenges faced by slower runners. And don't forget, as an Academy member, you can get access to all of our back podcasts, all of our guest interviews going back 10 years, plus training plans. Find out how to become a member over at MarathonTrainingAcademy.com. So I know we have a lot of longtime listeners, but if you're a new listener, just like to welcome you and Angie I thought maybe we could just give like a short bio because we can't assume people know our story so real quick at the time of this recording Angie you've been a runner for quite a while and you've done um, how many marathons um, 70 marathons and ultra or marathons and over I guess okay. <laughs> a few ultra sprinkled in there and it all started out back in the day struggling through your first marathon Yeah, that's right. I decided I needed a challenge in my life um, about 2007. And I decided for some reason to set the goal of running a marathon, even though I didn't know anyone who was a marathoner. I didn't have any friends who were runners. But how you get something in your head, and then you just have to see if you have what it takes. And so I trained for my first marathon, did everything wrong along the way, struggled (laughs) with injury, fueling all the things that new runners struggle with. But I finished my first marathon in 2008. And even though it was pretty grueling, after I crossed that finish line, I knew that there would be no turning back. And so it's definitely been an amazing journey, lots of ups and downs, but definitely happy to be on the running journey with the members of our running community. And now... You're about to be a Tough mutter come September. You, <laughs> I hope. <laughs> you signed up for your first ever Tough mutter, Um, And even though you've run a ton of marathons, you've just never been too keen on doing an obstacle race. But somehow, you're like some friends of yours talked you into it. So you and some lady friends are going to go over to Pittsburgh and run the Tough mutter 5K. Why just a 5K? That's what I want to know. <laughs> well, there's a couple members of our group who don't run at all. So <laughs> the running part intimidates them, whereas... Me, I feel more intimidated by, you know, some of the obstacles that require a lot of upper body strength. So <laughs> yeah. anyway, we're going to get to it together. I'm sure it'll be fun and challenging and there'll be lots of laughs along the way. It's funny because I visited the Tough Mudder website after you told me you signed up. Then I started seeing their ads on Facebook. You know, once you visit their site, you'll start seeing ads. And the ads are people crawling through mud, getting electrocuted. <laughs> 
it was funny. One of our friends who were really surprised that she wanted to do it. And we were kind of floating the idea in our group um, because she's, you know, really put together, like has perfect nails all the time and <laughs> wears high heels. And so we're like, she wants to do it. Okay, awesome. So we all signed up and then we started floating some like the obstacles in our group chat and like, you know, how are we going to train for this? And she's like, I didn't know it was real mud. She thought the, the mud part was, what? was figurative. <laughs> so anyway, but she's committed now. So <laughs> well, it's in the name. Yep. Tough mudder. Lots of mud. <laughs> well, before we jump into our interview today, we'd like to give some shout outs to folks in our community. Just got a couple for you today. Recently heard from one of our coaches, Coach Henry, who did a 50 miler over the weekend. Yeah, I'm going to read this because I think it's instructive. He says, today's 100 miler didn't go as planned. It had its ups and downs and not just the course. I stopped at 50 miles today, half of what I set out to do. The first 27 miles were awesome. Then it wasn't. Tough conditions, a downpour, a swollen creek masquerading as a trail, and many other challenges. The race allows 100 milers who choose to drop at 50 to get a 50 mile finish. So there's that. And then he said, but here's what absolutely made my day. My MTA coaching client, Will, absolutely crushed his first ultra, a sub five hour 50K. He is amazing. Well, congrats, Will, on that. And also, Henry, congrats on conquering 50 miles, man. That's still epic distance to run. (laughs) That's right. This comes from Braxton in the social distancing run group. He says, the pain cave was unexpectedly long during the Jack and Jill marathon, but I got through with a PR. I cried at the finish after coming so far from injury, always somewhat in doubt of a comeback. The running community is so positive, always inspiring, always encouraging. Thanks, everyone. So congratulations, Braxton, on your marathon PR. That's amazing. And speaking of the Jack and Jill marathon, There was a coaching client named Paul that ran it. He says, morning, guys. I had such an awesome time running the Jack and Jill Marathon near Seattle on Saturday. I'm so grateful to MTA coach Chris for guiding me through the last five months of training. I'm so proud of my result. And it sounds like he was only five minutes off his BQ. So that is really, really fantastic. Congratulations, Paul. Love it. Hey, and speaking of marathons, just a reminder, we're going to be at the Richmond Marathon. The race is in Richmond, Virginia, the capital, and it takes place November 11th. This will be my third year going, and I've already started hearing from people who are going to be there. So I think it'll be another big year. That's fantastic. And of course, after the race, we all get together at a pub uh, and share our war stories from race day. Richmond shows up big on race day. They have party stops, junk food stations, a pickle juice stop, and the course is mostly flat with some rolling hills, which is great for runners of all abilities. Of course, you know, when you're in a marathon, sometimes those rolling hills feel like mountains. (laughs) Hey, just a heads up. They told us to say mostly flat. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) But we've heard from people who are like, where's mostly flat? (laughs) The half marathon is pretty flat. It's all in perspective, I guess. Yeah, so we'd love to see you. You've heard us talk about it. Come on out to Richmond. Register now. You can beat that September 16th price increase. And let us know if you're going to be there. We'll send you some details about the meetup and other things we got going on that weekend. RichmondMarathon.org. All right. Well, our guest on the podcast today is Martinez Evans. He is author of the book Slow AF Run Club. Angie, what can we tell people about Martinez Evans? 
Well, as you'll hear in this interview, Martinez Evans has run more than eight marathons since his doctor told him to, quote, lose weight or die. Since then, he's been featured in multiple publications and on the cover of Runner's World. When he's not running races around the world, he enjoys speaking about issues related to size, inclusivity, mindset, and mental health. And he is the author of the book that Trevor just mentioned. So we're excited to have him on today. Well on my way, well on my way. We're on the podcast now with Martinez Evans, joining us from Brooklyn, New York. How you doing today? I am feeling good. I'm feeling great. What about yourself? Good day to record a podcast. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> well, we're so excited to talk to you. We got a copy of your book, um, Slow AF Run Club. It's excellent. We recommend everyone reading it. Um, and so we kind of want to dig into your story because, you know, you've got a really compelling running journey and it kind of started from you getting a really harsh wake up call from a doctor. Can you tell us what happened at that appointment? Yeah. So let's give a little bit more context. So um, before I met this doctor, I was working at men's warehouse at the time. So I was on my feet eight to 10 hours a day at a commission sales job. So like literally on my feet all day and I developed some hip issues and I went to go see a doctor. Um, this is the first time I've ever met this doctor. He wasn't my like traditional, like, like primary care doctor. He was literally a doctor that I picked from a list that says, you know, for orthopedic like surgeons or like orthopedic specialists. So I went to go see this doctor and, you know, tell him about my hip. Like, Hey, I just started this job. I'm on my feet hours a day. I'm in dress shoes. I used to play football like, please help. And he was like, I know what's wrong with you. Okay. Well, what's wrong with me then? <laughs> you're fat. Oh. <laughs> no. And not only you're fat, like you need to lose weight or die. So wow. I instantly get angry because like, here we go again with like fat phobia type of stuff when it comes to medical professionals. Uh, I think I wrote an example of like, your eye can be literally falling out your eye and a doctor would be like, you know, like, we'll, we'll get on that eye, but let, let's talk about your weight. Let's talk about how that fat in your head is pushing his eye out. Wow. So, <laughs> so um, you know, he goes on to say, like, you need to start walking to lose weight and, like, all this other stuff. And I remember being like, you know what? No, I'm going to run a marathon. And he laughs at me and tells me that's the most stupidest thing he has heard in all his years of practice in medicine. Wow. And then he goes on to say, you know, if you run a marathon, you will die on the course. So, <laughs> so you're going to die either way, right? Exactly. Like, like I'm sitting there, <laughs> like I'm sitting there in this catch 22. I'm already angry. I'm already frustrated. Like you're telling me to lose weight or die. I tell you I'm going to run a marathon and you like, you're going to die anyway if you do that. So I was like, you know what? Like, let's go find out. Like if I'm going to die, run a marathon, at least I tried something. So Left out the doctor's office and on my way home, I, I ran into a running shoe store and I bought running shoes and that was the start of my journey. So where did that idea come from to run a marathon? Had you already been kind of considering it? No. Um, <laughs> did you know I, anyone who'd run a marathon? No. <laughs> so I'm going to be real with you. Like the fact that the doctor was like, oh, you should start walking, like pissed me off because I'm literally like I'm on my feet eight to 10 hours a day. Like I'm literally walking the sales floor, helping people all day long. So what do you mean you need to go start walking to lose weight? I'm like, no, I'm going to go run a marathon. So Trevor, I had no idea how far a marathon was. 
<laughs> and for the longest, I was calling it a 5K marathon until somebody stopped me and was like, Martinez, no such thing as a 5K marathon. Like there's a, a 5K and there's a marathon. And I was thinking to myself, well, well, how far is a 5K? And it was like three miles. So I was like, all right, that's that's how far I was thinking I was going to go. <laughs> and then I asked her, well, how far is a marathon? Like, humor me. And he was like, 26 miles. And I'm thinking to myself, like, wait, like if a 5K is this long, I'm thinking a marathon can't be no more than like 10 miles. <laughs> and then I found out it was 26.2 miles. So, you know, I was kind of stuck and I was like, you know what? I'm going to go for it. Why not? Like, I've already said it. I already put it out in the universe. So, like, let's just go for it. You'd thrown down that gauntlet. So why not? Yeah. <laughs> and there's something something to be said about being a fast action taker. If, if you left the doctor's office that day and then went to the running store, that's yes. taking action. Yeah. It was okay. taking action. I think it was also just fate because literally, like, I was just driving home. Never seen this running shoe store. Like the universe is really like in my favor that day of like, I'm going to go run a marathon and then like literally just drive past a fleet feet. I'm like, you know what? I'm going in there right now and I'm going to go get shoes. I think it was just meant to happen. Just think about how your life like totally deviated all the success and all the ways you've helped people in the last, you know, number of years wouldn't have happened if you hadn't had that moment where you're like, listen, this is huge and I'm going to change my life. Like you didn't probably know how much it was going to change your right. life. <laughs> um, you kind of alluded to the early days of your running journey being rough. Oh, it was hellacious. So <laughs> my first run, right? I get to the little fitness center of my apartment complex. There's three treadmills and there's two people already on the treadmills. I call them gazelles because like <laughs> one person is going 10 and the part of the person is going nine. Wow. I'm thinking to myself like, okay, like I'm on this treadmill. I'm going to run a, a 5K marathon today. <laughs> and I, I look to my right and like this guy's going 10. And I look to my left and this guy's going nine. I'm thinking to myself like, okay, like if they're doing that, maybe I can do a seven. That's still really fast. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even run seven. <laughs> yeah. like five and a half for me is, is the fastest I want to go. So like, cause they made it look so easy. They made yeah. 10 and nine look so easy. Something must have, well, I can at least go seven and 15 seconds later when my body hit the ground oh. and the noise that it made was so deafening. I was thinking to myself like, well, I guess seven was the wrong choice. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness but like those are some of the obstacles that i faced when i started running right not even know how how fast to run or like starting couch to 5k and like just fast forward through and all the stuff and it's like week eight day three run for 30 minutes congratulations you've ran a 5k and me just doing the math like wait a minute you want me to run a 5k marathon <laughs> at 10 minute mile like what is this so like, like even having those, those experiences of like, oh man, can I really do this? Can I actually do this? Right. And then another big obstacle, this did not make the book. I tried to hire a running coach back then. Mm. I tried to hire multiple running coaches and the conversation would go something like this. Like, hello, I'm Martinez. Like I'm 300 pounds. I'm trying to run a marathon. I want to run a marathon. You know, I'm doing couch to 5k. And like these coaches would be like, you know, well, you being 300 pounds, I've never trained nobody that big. Um, I don't want to be responsible for you if you get injured. I think you should lose weight first. And if you ever lose weight, like, come back to me. 
So just to even be in that situation of like people telling me I'm going to die, I fall off this treadmill, still going through couch to 5K anyway, and I can't even hire anybody to coach me because they they are afraid that I'm going to get injured while training with them. Mm, that's a lot of obstacles to face. Yes. And it was a real risk because you do have to be careful building up. Like you're saying, if you try to run at a 10K pace every day, you're probably going to get injured. Right. So you had to sort of coach yourself? Yes. So I had to coach myself. I bought every book, uh, running book out there. Um, I end up eventually becoming like a RCA run coach um, mm-hmm. just so I can learn how to like train myself and like go through all the mechanics and still had to like learn things the hard way to make things work for me. Right. You had to like kind of distill, kind of eat the meat and spit out the bones because exactly. a lot of it didn't apply and doesn't apply to a lot of people out there. Exactly. You say in the book, we've all got preconceived notions or ideas about ourselves, including judgments. You go on to state, not everything you think is true and not everything you feel is true. So could you expand on that? Because I think it's a really powerful statement. Yeah. So there's these whole, all these preconceived notions. I'm not the weight that I need to be or the lowest I ever been in my life was in high school or so on and so forth. And like really people really think that to be a runner, you need to fit all of these certain categories and qualifiers. Mm -hmm. Right. And I think for myself, like going throughout this journey, one of the things I really learned is that like, if you are not an elite athlete and like your job is not getting first, second or third place, like we're all just participating in a, a running parade to get a, a participation medal that we've already paid for. Right. <laughs> so we know we're not going to get first place. So like, why have all of that pressure and put all that pressure on you? Right. Like, why not just go out there and just have fun? Because we already know that we're not going to win. Right. So I think also the taking a notion of like the things that we say about ourselves. Right. And we can be very mean to ourselves. The words that we say to ourselves can be very mean. And our inner critic can be very mean. And one of the things that I learned well is that if I give my inner critic a persona, a voice, a backstory, that way I can kind of separate these voices that's in my head and understand like these are not my voices. This is like this is my inner critic's voice. And like this is not me telling me this. This is my inner critic telling me this. And now I can kind of reason and like have a conversation about the inner critic that's telling me these things. And how I can kind of reason myself out of those uh, preconceived notions or those voices that I have about myself. Yeah, it's amazing how we would never let someone disrespect us in that same voice that we're allowing ourselves to judge ourselves, that inner critic. Exactly. I was I was thinking one thing is so powerful kind of about the community that you have started is, you know, you can appreciate your current body and use it to its maximum ability. I think that's kind of what people have been looking for. Yes. And I think that's one of the things that I I try to do with just my general message. You know, I I think that for a lot of people, they see a 300 pound man and like, just like being active and being like, oh, he's not focusing on weight. And people are like, oh, like you're glorifying obesity, blah, blah, blah. 
But like, that's not the case. Like what I'm trying to glorify is just physical activity at any size. Mm-hmm. So instead of looking like, like health at any size, I personally think that everybody should be physically active in whatever right that is. And if you need to be physically active at 400 pounds, you're not losing weight. Like there's still benefits of being physically active. Yes. And I think that a lot of people forget about that because we're so inundated of exercise equals weight loss. And if you're exercising, you should be losing weight. And then they, they forget about all the other health benefits or health outcomes that can happen, you know, just being physically active. I'm just here to like help provide a, a different narrative for people in order for them to stay active. Because yes. the people that I interact with, here's the cycle. They feel bad about themselves and then they finally get the courage to start being active. And then two weeks, three weeks go by and they're thinking like, I should have lost some type of weight. Like the scale should have went somewhere. The scale don't move or sometimes the scale even just goes up, right? Because like you're eating, like you're working out more, which means you're eating more or like holding on to water or like whatever is going on with you physiologically. And then they get discouraged and they don't want to be active anymore because they're like, oh, I did the thing. I finally got out of my comfort zone to do something and I didn't lose any weight. And in fact, I gained weight. So my thing is letting people know that still be active, (laughs) continue to be active because Yes, you may not lose weight, but like your A1Cs may get better. Your heart rate, your blood pressure may get better and so on and so forth. And I think for modern media or whatever you want to call it, I think we need to stop putting everything on weight and start looking at like how active somebody actually is. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah, it's much better to just fall in love with the activity, with the feel of yourself moving and being active you know, getting out on the trails or on the roads and let that be the goal just to experience nature, experience life more fully rather than just be so focused on numbers on a scale. Right. Quick break to thank our awesome sponsor, UCAN. We've been using UCAN to fuel for long runs, workouts, and marathons, half marathons as well. It never lets us down. For years, they never had a gel. They had bars and they had drink mix, but they never had a gel. Everyone was asking for a gel. And then they rolled them out and boom, they became, I think, probably their best seller. And you can actually try six edge gels for free. Just pay the shipping, which is an awesome deal. Yeah, I love the fact that you can roll out their edge gels. And they really waited till they got it right. Um, they work so well, just like their other products. One of the things that we love about UCAN is the slow, steady release of carbs with their Live Steady formula. And that's so important when you're going to be out there for multiple hours during long runs or races. So it's great for slower runners. It's great for top marathon runners. Just go to UCAN.co. Use the code MTA to save 20% on anything they offer. Plus, you can get that free pack of edge gels. Just pay shipping. UCAN.co slash MTA. Thanks to our sponsor, Sidekick. Sidekick develops recovery tools for runners so you can heal from your injury quicker and get back to doing what you love. Too many runners, including myself, I admit, can ignore red flags and keep training through pain until it develops into a chronic injury. Uh, Muscle scraping therapy works by breaking up blocked vessels to heal stress tissues in your body. And it's a safe, effective injury prevention and injury relief tool so you can get the benefits of a massage, but at home and in minutes. 
Yeah, so to get started with muscle scraping, um, we recommend the My Personal PT Bundle. It's their best-selling bundle, and it'll give you two of their most popular tools, the Echo and the Eclipse Muscle Scrapers. Angie, I just saw you the other day using the Eclipse to work on the bottom of your foot. You must have like some plantar fasciitis. Yeah, if I notice a flare-up in my plantar fasciitis, something that I've dealt with off and on in my running journey, I will grab the Eclipse Muscle Scraper and get on that foot, and it can help relieve some of that tightness and discomfort and get me back to running more quickly. Sidekicktool.com slash MTA. Look for the personal PT bundle and you can get 15% off your order with our link. Sidekicktool.com slash MTA. Let's go back to your story. So you figured out how long a marathon was. Then you're like, oh, got to start training. How did that first marathon go? So my first marathon went well for most of the time, right? So um, it took me about 18 months from when I met that doctor to me actually run that marathon. So a lot of people are like, hey, like what else happened? Like, did you literally start marathon training? No, (laughs) that's not how it goes, right? So like I literally, like I said, did couch to 5K. I started running some 5Ks, ran a couple 10Ks, and then ran a half marathon. And then from there, just continued to like base build until I was ready to like full marathon train. Yes. So it took me about 18 months. So I just want to let people know like how much time that took. And that's still a short period of time. It is. Like my life changed within 18 months. (laughs) Yeah. So I started running this marathon. Um, The race went good, but... At the end of the race, around like mile 17 or 18, I started to get heckled by one of the um, like people who drive the sag wagons. Oh, my goodness. And I guess he found that it's funny because it was literally like, hey, big man, like you want to ride to the finish line? Like, get in. I'll take you to the finish line. Right. And a part of me was like, this is not encouragement. Like, this is not helpful. Like, you're sowing seeds of doubt mm-hmm. for me to like get in this thing. So now you are making me second guess myself of like, wait. Like, can I actually do this thing? Knowing that if I would have got into this bus, like what the ramification of that is. Yeah. Grand closing. Like the race is over for me. There is no marathon finish line. (laughs) Right. Like there's no finish line. So from mile 18 until like the end of the race, every mile on the mile is, hey, big man, get in the car. I'll take you to the finish line. Hey, big man, you want to ride? You want to ride? Until mile 25, where I kind of just went off on them. Like, you know, just tell them, like, leave me alone. As my grandma would say, not, something in the rice isn't clean. Like, <laughs> like this ain't clean. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, you know, at that point, I'm like, yo, leave me alone. I had other colorful words that I'll try to keep off this podcast. <laughs> but like, and then eventually, like, I finished the race. But like that, that was one of the things that kind of just lasted with me. And it was one of those first inklings of like what it means to be a backer of packer in a race. Hmm. Yeah. And you've got now the slow AF run club. Had to ask mm-hmm. my kids what AF meant. They they told you me. You did? Seriously? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Where have you been living? <laughs> <laughs> One of my questions is, have you met a lot of people either in person or online who are just like really embarrassed about running slow or running at the back of the pack? And what do you tell them? Absolutely. I think the thing that I tell people goes back to that whole notion of if you're not a elite athlete, none of this stuff really matters. And we really need to stop like taking ourselves so seriously and getting all hyped up or like just riled up about the notion of coming in last. Because regardless if you came in last, like you still ran that same distance. And I yeah. think the beauty of running is that you are on the same course or row as the elite athletes. 
right? So like you ran the same distance and the same route as Meb or uh, or Dez or Elliot, right? Even though you may not run it at the same time as them, like you ran it. And like, you don't have that in basketball. You don't have that in soccer and baseball where you're playing on the same realm as LeBron at the same time, <laughs> right? Like that just does not happen. So just letting people know like, yeah, like that may happen, but for you, that doesn't matter because you're not here to run against them. You're not here to compete. Like the only competition should be yourself and really get them to understand that we've all paid to get a participation medal at the end of this thing uh, that we already know that's supposed to be coming, right? Mm -hmm. So we shouldn't take ourselves too seriously when it comes to road running. Hey, it really sucks when they don't give out medals, though, doesn't it? That part. <laughs> or they've run out of medals or uh, they yes. closed the finish line or, you know, a number of things that back of the pack runners uh, face. Oh, yeah, that's right. You know, there are some legitimate, you know, races have done people dirty, you know, kind yes, of like saying absolutely. the course is going to be open and it's not, you know. So and I, I think like you touched on for new runners, especially it's like the fear of finishing last. And it's like, well, someone has to finish last. Right. <laughs> That's like so much more important than never starting. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I think, like you said, we have to work through these things in our mind, like if they're holding us back, the fear of, you know, what other people think of us, because people are going to have comments, unfortunately, about our bodies, about our running pace, about our running form. I think for people who have run any number of years, you know, you just find there's rude people out there who have comments to make and you, you have to thicken your skin, I guess, and realize that you're doing it for you and you know you don't care what those other people think so i think it's that um one of the things i even how even i got the name slow f run club right that yeah. came from like somebody heckling me on the course and calling me slow af and telling me that i should go home wow. so like somebody who's drinking a beer on the sideline of the course right like somebody who's not even in the arena and telling you you should go home because you're slow even though he's not out there running, right? So <laughs> it's one of those things of um, when you kind of simplify like what's going on, like, literally people who don't know nothing about the sport um, is criticizing you. So you mm. have those type of people. And then I think you also have like the elitist runners, right? And it's not, I think it's a difference between like elite runners and the elitist runners, right? Like <laughs> yes. elite runners, like I said, like they're gone. They run the race and they go back home. I think it's the elitist runners or the gatekeepers who want running to be a certain way. And I think that if race directors or elitist runners feel that way, I think like that is not going to do anything but shrink the the sport of running because mm -hmm. I think that consumer these days are not going to roll with that. Yeah, I think you're right. It's like elite runners are not the ones who are elitist. Often the elite runners, they are some of the most encouraging people out there. But it's those runners that often have a chip on their shoulder. And they're probably actually wrestling with themselves. It's often more about their internal world. Yeah. You know, it's being a very dark and negative place and then putting that out into the world. But yeah, I love the fact how you're able to make it more inclusive and just realize that anyone can be a runner if that's what they want to do. And, you know, there's so much beauty in moving your body. Yeah. So while we were talking about back of the pack runners and slower runners, what are some of the, like the top tips that you've picked up along the way that you like to share with people who are at the back of the pack? So one of the things I always like to start with is picking your race. There's so many races out here. First things first, like what is their cutoff? And then understanding, like, what are their rules after the cutoff, right? So that way you can really understand that, all right, if you're not going to make the cutoff, are you okay with the ramifications mm. that happens at this cutoff? 
So I think like that's the first thing I always try to uh, get people to understand is that like, yes, races have cut off. Uh, some are a little bit more lean than others, even though I think that if they have a race, they should make sure everybody gets to the finish line or at least have an equitable experience. But like, that's beyond the point. <laughs> but I think like really getting people to understand that, all right, if you're going to sign up for a race, like it's also part of your duty to understand like what is their cutoff and what happens if you don't meet the cutoff. So mm-hmm. like that can be walking on a side or that can be being unsupported, could be they pick you off the course. Right. But I think really understanding like what that is. And then like once you figure that out, right, I think some of the other like tricks about like just running or being in the back of the pack is like I have this notion of like nobody's going to save you. Mm-hmm. Like You have to save yourself. What that looks like for me is that for most races, I run races like I am self-supporting. I only run races or only pick races that allow me to wear my hydration vest because that way I can carry two and a half to three liters throughout the whole race and have the snacks that that is okay with my my stomach and so on and so forth. So like I can make it to the finish line. Your first aid supplies, all yes. your. <laughs> all yep. the things, my traveling pharmacy. And like, does that bog me down? Yes. But I want to participate and knowing that nobody's going to save me, I need to make sure that I do everything I can to make sure that I save myself. Mm. In my opinion, it's fun to run slow. I mean, I'm kind of enjoying it. Like, <laughs> I, I don't have a lot of time pressures that I put on myself to, to run fast. I'm hours away from qualifying for Boston. <laughs> Mad respect for people that can do that. Last marathon I did was called the Beer Lovers Marathon and they had like beer stops. It was yeah. It was awesome. And they did have some people like pushing us to keep going, mainly because they didn't want people getting drunk and then not finishing at all. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, maybe maybe we just tell people like just embrace the back of the pack because it can be a big party back there. It can be. Right. And I think that also is about determination. Right. I I Mm. think that as there is determination on one side of like, all right, you're going to like aim for a BQ or whatever sacrifices you're making to make that. I think there's still a lot of sacrifices and stories that happen for the people who are in the, who are in the back of the pack, right? So, for yep. example, there have been some races where I finished over seven hours. I ran New York City, had some issues, had some, like, GI issues, but still finished the thing in, like, seven hours. That's some determination. Like, that's definitely fortitude to, to also to be celebrated, not ridiculed. Because yes. on the fact that like you're on your feet almost a whole work day. Exactly. It's, it takes a huge amount of physical <laughs> fortitude to oh, be yeah. out there that long. It, yeah, that's 100%. Getting baked by the sun. Yeah. So like you're getting <laughs> baked by the sun. You're in the elements. I feel like the elites get the, the, the best time to run. It's always in the early. They always get the, the coldest time weather-wise to run. Whereas like the back of the pack, you're out there usually when it's this high noon, the sun is out. There's no shade, so you're getting baked, battering whether or not they have water and all this other stuff. And, like, you're getting, like, the leftovers, for lack of a better word. It's like, right. imagine running New York City, 40,000, 50,000 people. You're, like, you're getting leftover cups. You're getting leftover <laughs> water. Like, you're getting leftover, like, picked over snacks and bananas. But you're still doing that in spite of, like, all of this stuff. And I think, mm-hmm. you know, those are the things that should be celebrated. But also, you can have fun. I mm-hmm. think that since you are in the back of the pack, like, I've had like friends run two or three miles with me on the course just because it's so lenient or, you know, play music loudly because like we're not in- interfering with the rest of the people. 
this uh, marathon that I just did, they had one water stop. It was just like a big tub of water, like no top. What? <laughs> yeah. I know. And so people, you, you get your cup and you just dip it in there. Oh, no. Oh. That's a hard no for me. <laughs> By the time I got in there, I looked at that water. It was like a film on yeah. the water and all oh, this stuff my floating in there. And I'm like, I'm not touching that. <laughs> Well, back to your point of like choosing races, I've done some races where they offer an early start option for Mm -hmm. people who know they're going to be out there longer. So they get more of the cool of the day. They get like the better stocked aid stations. And I think I love that. I really do because they get more of that race experience that often gets missed out on. Some of them are doing a good job. There's the mainly marathons series where they actually give an award to the person that finishes last. Remember that? Yeah, I I do. And you get nothing if you finish first. (laughs) (laughs) Most of their courses, you circle around like this big, huge stocked aid station. So Uh you're doing like loop course, you know, but then you've got the great aid station every time you come around too, and more of a community atmosphere. So, so I wonder these big city marathons, like they're paying a fortune for road closures, for police escort security. So I wonder if that factors in to cutoff times because, you know, the longer they keep the course open or have staff out there, the more it's going to cost them. And we're talking like tens of thousands of dollars, I'm sure, for some of these city marathons. Absolutely. I think that could be a a thing. I think one of the things that I try to challenge race directors is to get creative like get creative within the rules right Mm -hmm. what does it look like to have unsupported early way and then the other thing is like yeah like i don't know what a large race costs to like close down streets and so on and so forth but my thing is like as a slow individual i would pay the extra 25 50 dollars it is for a race. I'm already paying 200, $300 for this stuff. Like, like what's an extra $50 to cover it, to, to make it. So I get an extra hour on the, on a cutoff time. Yes, exactly. They need to have like a mobile um, aid station that's like just caters to the back of the pack. <laughs> that would actually. Hmm. Like that would be cool. <laughs> would or be like, cool. I, I think the other thing is like, all right, like you got to close down the water stations and things of that sort. Like, can you, can you leave out a five gallon jug? Like, can you leave out uh, yeah. cases of water that you can come back and pick up after the race is over, right? I think mm-hmm. that just getting creative on, like, how you can support the back of the pack is, like, what I'm just asking these race directors to do. Yeah. Like, I understand money is a big part of this. And my thing is, like, if money is a big part of it, it's like, yeah, maybe we need to start asking brands for more sponsorship dollars, right? Mm-hmm. Like, maybe we need to really think about, like, taking a little bit off top to make sure that people can run longer or, like, have eight-hour or seven-hour cutoffs for their particular races. I think that there's always a solution for a particular problem. But I think for a lot of people, we just tend to say, well, this is the problem and this is how we always done it. And I don't know what else to tell you. Mm -hmm. So how did it feel um, crossing the finish line at that first marathon? Um, It was bittersweet. It was better because like having that experience and be like, yo, like what the hell is going on with this guy? (laughs) But also sweet because, you know, all of that work I did to get there. Right. The fact that I stayed focused and kept after it for 18 months was definitely something to celebrate myself to say, like, I did it. And he didn't die in spite of what that and doctor said. I didn't said. die. I didn't die. <laughs> I ran seven more of those things and still didn't die. <laughs> yeah. What what kept you interested and hooked to want to keep going with it? Oh, man. So like medals, race medals. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it works. Man. All the shoes. <laughs> All of the shoes. Um, 
what I really enjoyed is when I started making friends in the back of the pack at other races. Mm. So like as we were running and it's like, oh, have you ran this race? And I was like, no, I haven't. Or like, oh, I'm running this race. Or like, you know what, Trevor, we had a great conversation. Like, are you other are you running any other races? Like, let's run the other races together, right? Yes. So yeah. I think like that's great accountability. But also I had so much fun just meeting people, right? And I have people that I've ran races 10 years ago that we're still like the greatest of friends. And I can call them right now and say, hey, like what's in your refrigerator? I'm in town. I'm hungry, right? <laughs> so I think that that's that's what really keeps me, uh, what kept me motivated to continue to run is the fact that I had all these other people that I met in the back. Because once you run, and run one of these races, you start to see that there's so many people of so many varying body shapes and sizes and backgrounds. Like, yeah. hell, I seen like the, the, the duck run the marathon. I seen like the the pineapple guy like run <laughs> marathons like i've right. seen like guys run marathons barefoot and so when you see that it's like wow like this is amazing this is cool and i'm just so glad to be a part of this yeah definitely it really is about the people and you know the community that you create and that's the stories that you hear from people how they're literally changing their lives every single day Thanks to our sponsor, Ola Dance. Over the years, people have asked us for recommendations when it comes to earbuds, and we've tried a lot of different brands, and there's a lot of good ones out there. But now we have Ola Dance, and they are the bomb. If you listen to audio for like more than two hours a day, it's really important to protect your hearing. You don't want your ears to get fatigued. And that's where an open ear design comes in. It doesn't enter the ear, so it prevents that ear fatigue. And so it's made for podcast listening, audiobook listening. Yeah, I honestly use my Ola Dance earbuds every single day. I use them for my run this morning, and they stay in place well. I've tried to go back to other earbuds that I used to like in the past, and I can't even do that because I'm spoiled with Ola Dance and their sound. <laughs> You remember when you bought these expensive ones before we heard of Ola Dance and you went out to our son's cross country meet and immediately lost one of them in the grass? <laughs> yeah. Well, that could happen with anything. But yes, that was a very sad day. <laughs> OlaDance.com, the code MTA20 will save you 20%. OlaDance.com, MTA20 for 20% off. Man, I really enjoyed the section about goal setting. I think you had some awesome insights into goal setting. So I think maybe that'd be a good topic to end the interview with. It's important for us as runners to have goals. So let's talk about in the book, you have values, goals, processes, and rituals. Mm -hmm. Let's start with that. Values, right? Mm -hmm. Values, goals, processes, and, and rituals. I, I think goals are great, right? I think we don't have a problem like creating goals. We've all know what smart goals are. I think we can write all beautiful goals. What I found out is that, A, we, we get in these cycles where we either start to go and then fall off the goal, or like we put everything inside the goal. And then once we get that goal, we become empty. So mm -hmm. I had that happen to me multiple times. And I wanted to like really think about for myself, what is the thing to continue these goals how can I make it bigger than that, that one particular goal of like, I'm going to run a marathon. And um, as I start to do research about that, I understand, I found out about like values and really understand like, okay, like what is a value? And like a value is something that people really can't uh, explain until like you're dead and gone. Right. <laughs> so like Trevor, you're a good father, right? There's nothing that you can do or like one thing that you can do that's going to make you a good father. Like, yep, check that off. <laughs> Taught the kid how to ride a bike. 
Good Dead Award, right? (laughs) So really to understand that like these are things that are like more or less unattainable until like you're dead and gone, right? These are Hmm. things people say about you, but are are things that you can't necessarily do one thing to say like, well, this is what I do, right? And I think for people that's, you know, how do I be a committed athlete or how do I value physical activity and knowing that you can't attain that, but it's something to make sure that you're going in the right direction. Mm-hmm. So if you think about your values as a compass, because that's literally what it is, is a compass of what's driving you in the right way or direction. Um, you can really think about like, all right, am I going east, which is the right way, or if I'm going the opposite way of my value? And then once you add goals to it, you understand that values can just create an infinite amount of goals. But like, how do you get there? And I think this is where like processes and like habits come into place of, all right, like what is the process to get to this goal, right? I I think about, you know, being a pilot and having all these checklists to go through, right? And understanding that, all right, I have these checklists, like what are the habits that I need to do in in order to make these checklists work, which then funnel up to the larger goal. So it's a formula that kind of helps people understand that, yeah, you may have this one goal, but like, what does all this really mean mm. when it's all said and done? Because yes, you can have that one goal of running a marathon, but like you run that marathon, then what happens afterwards? Yeah. Right. What's like, the value underneath it? Like what's the value underneath it? Because mm-hmm. I've had people it's like, yep, I ran a marathon. I'm done forever. And I was like, all right, but are you still running? Like, are you still being active? What's going on? It's like, nope, I'm done running being active i'm just done forever and it's like no what what else do you value about physical activity like you just can be done after that but so getting people to really understand that there's more to this world than just one particular goal mm. like we should have an infinite amount of goals or an infinite amount of habits to help us make sure we're steering in the right direction of our value yeah that's really powerful i know as i became a master's runner a few years ago it changed from, I mean, I still wouldn't mind setting a PR, I'll just be honest, but <laughs> like I'm, I'm training for like my 80 year old body now. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I want to add muscle. I want to be strong. I want to be well-rounded in my fitness in my life because the more important thing is that future health and setting yourself up for success. So that, yeah, that makes a lot of sense to me. That's really good. Yeah. So a good starting point for people might be just to go and write down their values. What do they want to be true of themselves And what do they want people to say after they're gone? Yes. So in the Mm. book, there's this value exercise. I won't go too deep into it, but like, yeah, the the question I always ask people is that, you know, imagine this is your funeral. Like, what do you want people to say about you when they're eulogizing you? Right. And I think those are things to start off with. Like, you know, he was caring. He was a good father. He, He valued physical fitness or like he valued physical independence or whatever that may be. And then from there, you can kind of work your way backwards to figure out like, like what are the goals that I need to have to be a caring individual, mm-hmm. right? Or a giving individual or a philanthropic individual. Like if, if you value being philanthropic, can you haven't gave to a charity or volunteered or, <laughs> or like did any of that stuff, then like maybe you really need to rethink that value. It's a disconnect there somewhere. <laughs> there's, a de- oh. there's a disconnect. He was a very stingy <laughs> philanthropist. <laughs> <laughs> he gave a dollar one time. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> well, congrats on the success of your book. It's been 
awesome to talk to you, Martinez. And if we want to send people to, to follow you online, where can we send them? Yeah, so you can find out more about Martinez Evans, the individual, at 300 Pounds and Running on Instagram and uh, Facebook. That's 300, spell out Pounds and Running. Um, if you want to know more about the Slow AF Run Club, you can go to slowafrunclub.com. If you want to find out if I got, because uh, I'm on a 40-day book tour, if I want to find out if there's an event near you, go to slowafrunclub.com slash events. And then we also have an app on iOS and Android. Um, called the Slow Yeah Front Club app. So you can go into your app store and search Slow Yeah Front Club and you'll find us there. Love it. Man, a lot of stuff going on, man. Absolutely. <laughs> right? It yes. has been it's been a blur, but it has been <laughs> fun, right? To run into a bunch of individuals and just see how um this book is really changing their lives. Well, good luck with the rest of your book tour. Thanks so much for taking time to have this conversation with us. Thank you. Thank you for having me. All right. Hope you enjoyed that conversation. Thanks to Martinez for joining us on the MTA podcast. Definitely go check out his book. Yeah, I love the fact that he points out that it's important to be active and set goals right where you are right now. Don't wait till you have some future self or you know some nebulous point in the future. Um, right now, you can be taking on challenges and living your best life. And we'd love to help you train for any of those big goals and challenges that you have. You can find out how to become a member of the Academy and work with one of our coaches over on our website, marathontrainingacademy.com. Of course, drop us a message anytime we have a contact form over there, and we'd love to hear from you. You can also find us on Instagram and Facebook at Marathon Academy. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast if you haven't subscribed yet. Until next time, keep taking action. Remember, you have what it takes to run a marathon and change your life. Right